Hi, I'm Cami Welch. Welcome to the What's Important Now podcast from the Arvada Chamber of Commerce. In this podcast, we talk to business and community leaders about the critical issues and topics that you need to help your business thrive. We're really excited about today's podcast. We understand that your organization and many of our businesses are interested in how to more effectively manage the uncertainty that's coming with the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. Our guest today, Dr. David DeLong, is a researcher, author, and speaker who helps employers tackle critical staffing and workforce development challenges in the COVID-19 recession. He specializes in working with businesses, schools, and workforce development leaders to implement collaborative solutions that build tomorrow's workforce. David is also a student of history. He recognizes there are valuable lessons to be learned from major disruptions in the past. One transition he has studied is the end of World War II to better anticipate the challenges we face with the end of the pandemic. In 1945, the U.S. made a rapid transition from wartime to a peacetime economy. The transition of millions of soldiers back into the post-war economy led to a dramatic change for employers. I've asked David to share four insights he's gained from studying the end of World War II that can help you make better decisions about your business and your employees as we transition out of this pandemic. Welcome, Dave. Good to see you. It's great to be with you, Cami. Awesome. So let's get going here. We're going to start with the first question, which is what does your analysis of the U.S. transition out of wartime economy suggest for what we can expect in 2021 as the COVID vaccine takes hold and businesses and schools edge back towards a new normal? Well, Cammie, it's great to be with you. First of all, it's important to have a practical understanding of how we're going to transition out of the pandemic. That's going to affect your decision-making about your business and the experience of World War II provides some really useful ideas about what we might expect. For example, on December 7th, 1944, the third anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, the US was still fighting World War II and yet Macy's New York department stores experienced record sales. I mean, the end of the war is in sight, but some of the bloodiest battles are still to come, such as the Battle of the Bulge and the Battle of Okinawa, which would kill over 30,000 US soldiers. Yet people are shopping. They really wanna get back to a normal life. First, then, we need to recognize that prosperity and suffering are going to coexist as the COVID-19 pandemic comes to an end. Just as people were shopping like crazy at Macy's in 1944, while soldiers were still dying, you should expect to feel tension this year between short-term and long-term needs. So the takeaway here is be aware of the assumptions you're making about how the end of the pandemic will impact your business and recognize that some people and companies will still be suffering while others will be prospering. You'll need to expect the coexistence of these very different things. Awesome, thank you. That is so interesting to think about history and how that impacts what we can learn today. And I think you're absolutely spot on that we've definitely seen this big struggle between people that are doing okay and those that are really been negatively affected. So I think it's great to kind of reflect on what that's been in the past. So a lot of employees have been forced to show up for work throughout the pandemic, despite the risks of COVID-19 that maybe were posed to their health. Frontline healthcare workers and other essential workers have had some of the most stressful jobs. What does history teach us about the cost of long-term life-threatening stress on your job? Yeah, 
Another lesson from the end of World War II is that you need to plan to help your employees recover psychologically from their pandemic experience. In 1945, lots of the 12 million soldiers leaving military service needed time to heal from their psychological as well as their physical wounds of war. Some suffered PTSD, which manifested as anxiety, depression, and alcoholism. Today, many employees, particularly essential workers and frontline healthcare workers will need time to heal from the psychological wounds left by working through the pandemic. Did you know that last spring when the COVID-19 pandemic started, the rate of anti-anxiety prescriptions went up 34% in the first month. That's one of the byproducts of the incredibly stressful COVID work environment. So what, what can you do to help deal with this? Well, the first thing is to explicitly acknowledge this experience of prolonged anxiety. Experts suggest that this can be helped by working in small groups within your organization and telling stories that begin with questions like, what is the greatest loss you experienced during COVID-19? And what have you learned about yourself during the pandemic? Then ask, how can you apply these lessons from your experiences going forward? So when we give people the opportunity to shape stories about their experiences over the last year, and not only gives employees a chance to acknowledge the loss and grief caused by the pandemic, it also helps reestablish a sense of purpose going forward. Thank you. And I know that's a really critical piece of this. I had no idea that the stats were that high on the anxiety increase in prescriptions. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm really interested in this next question, which is talking about women in the workplace. And I've heard some pretty alarming data about the impacts of women because of the pandemic. Are there any parallels between the impact of the COVID-19 shutdowns on women now and what happened in World War II? Yes, there are. Millions of women joined the U.S. workforce during World War II to fill jobs in industry that were traditionally held by men who went off to fight. In fact, they had big recruiting campaigns to get women into the workforce at the beginning of the war. But in 1945, when those servicemen returned, five million women were laid off to open up jobs for male veterans, those male veterans. Today, in a similar way, women are paying a huge price for the COVID-19 disruption. In fact, the biggest impact on the workforce may be the number of women being forced out of the labor pool by the loss of childcare options. More than 800 women left the workforce in 2020, according to studies. And according to a McKinsey study, another 2 million working mothers are considering leaving the workforce or at least downshifting their careers because of the loss of childcare. Cami, this is a disaster. And while it hasn't yet been quantified in economic terms, it's certainly a major talent drain on the workforce pipeline. And this in an era when women hold many key leadership roles on, on executive teams and also hold high skill and middle skill jobs that are critical to many businesses. So to minimize your talent losses and to sustain a viable pipeline of young and mid-career workers, 
you must find innovative ways to support working mothers. How do you do this? First, rebuilding childcare options is going to be central to any long-term solution. And in the meantime, companies that can provide alternative childcare solutions that are particularly innovative, or at least demonstrate maximum flexibility to support working mothers will have a strong advantage to recruiting and retaining talented women. Thank you. It's so interesting to think about that 800,000 women leaving the workforce. That is not a small number. And we were going into the pandemic in a really tight labor market to begin with. And so there are some pretty substantial impacts. And I'm eager to track that data and understand those long-term parallels completely because that's a big shift. Wow. All right. One last question for you, David. At the end of World War II, what happened to all the soldiers returning from the war and that were looking for work? Well, Cammie, in 1944, Congress passed what became known as the GI Bill, which allowed 8 million veterans to take advantage of the bill's training and education benefits. This qualified them for higher paying jobs that had all kinds of positive ripple effects for the economy. Imagine if those veterans had just been allowed to drift back into a changing labor pool from coming from war, from military service. The labor productivity would have been much lower in this country after World War II. The current pandemic has exacerbated our own educational needs. So a fourth lesson from World War II is the need for innovative programs to reduce the education gaps that have been aggravated by the COVID-19 shutdown. We've lost at least a year of pre-employment training like internships, apprenticeships, and plant tours. That's because employers and schools have had to dramatically cut on-site programs and the education of community college students has been disrupted by the loss of income needed to pay tuition. So how will you help close this work-based gap, education gap? How do we do that? Can you increase the number of internships as soon as it's safe in your organization? Or maybe you can double down on career awareness programs as soon as schools can participate again. Or invest in more online initiatives to educate potential employees about career opportunities. And we have to find novel ways to help community college students accelerate the completion of their training which is so often work-based or work-driven. It's going to take new levels of collaboration between employers, schools, chambers of commerce, and workforce development organizations to come up with practical regional solutions to these educational problems. So in summary, Cami, four lessons I took away from my study of the end of World War II that are relevant today are one, we have to expect an unsettling mix of prosperity and suffering. It's an inevitable part of the transition out of the pandemic. Number two, we have to plan now to invest more in mental health resources to help employees recover from prolonged stress. Number three, we have to confront the childcare crisis head on. Otherwise, you're going to continue to lose top female talent, which we cannot afford. And number four, finally, we have to look for ways to proactively restart work-based learning 
as soon as schools and potential employees are ready to collaborate. Those are the lessons I've taken away from this, from this study. I hope that's helpful. That is very helpful. And those are a lot of really important lessons. And I certainly am grateful for your time today. If people want to learn more, I know this was so quick and there's obviously a lot more that you could share. If they want to learn more about your work and knowledge, where would they go? Sure. I'm continually doing research on the future workforce and the changing workforce needs. And the best place to go is to my website, which is at www.smartworkforcestrategies.com. That's all one word, smart workforcestrategies.com. And you can check out my blog there where I'm continually reporting on my latest research. Thanks. Fantastic. I can't thank you enough, David, for all of your work that you do to help us understand the workforce and your support and partnership of the Arvada Chamber has also been much appreciated. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in to this edition of our WIN podcast. As always, if you're interested in learning more about the Arvada Chamber and all we have to offer, please visit arvadachamber.org. Have a great day.